You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 127. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here. 127, 127. I love the number seven. It's 127. Can't believe that we are already at March. And I would like to just note how fast it seems like time's flying. And I feel like that's just the way that time moves nowadays. And it's just such an interesting idea, this time, right? We're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the worldwide shutdown. We're looking probably mid-March is how most of us remember it. I remember that March 13th to 17th range, and it's fast upon us. Uh, Football season's done. March Madness is coming. If you're going to a school that cares about that kind of thing, that's clearly something that you're probably excited about. And I thought, what, what can we talk about right now? And so there's a couple topics sort of jostling around. I missed last week's show. I was in Los Angeles enjoying the Super Bowl. No, I did not go to the Super Bowl, although I would like to have. And I certainly had feelers out for tickets. Um, however, I did not have the feelers out to spend $4,000 on a ticket. That's for darn sure. Um, would have been awesome to have actually gone, um, to the game. I actually knew somebody who got to go who doesn't even really care about football. And I'm like, doesn't that just sort of, isn't that just sort of how it happens? Like the person who barely cares about football is the one who gets to go to the game. The person who barely understands the basketball brackets is the one who picks all the winners based on whose mascot would beat the other one in a duel. <laughs> So it was a blast going out there. And for those of you who are worldwide fans, um, you may not be huge NFL fans, but certainly you have heard of the Super Bowl. And so it was pretty remarkable being in Los Angeles while it was in Los Angeles and just being able to enjoy the festivities of all of that. And so it was a blast. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking back over the shows that we have done since this year kicked off. And we've been talking a lot about personal responsibility and reframing. And that really leads me to the topic that I want to discuss today. And it's a couple of them. It's, and we're going to do this sort of amalgamation here. We're going to discuss um, the impermanence of emotions and thoughts, the breathing with intention rather than trance mode, um, slowing down and doing things right the first time, and reflecting on what... Um, we do what I've done and where I've been. And there's a couple reasons why it seems to me that these are important topics right now, because these are a couple, four things that I've really been jostling around a lot in my head. Um, For quite some time now, I have been discussing on this show that thoughts and feelings are fleeting, that they come in and out. They're like a, it's like a boat on a river and it just washes down and goes over a waterfall. Like thoughts and feelings, that you have 50,000 thoughts a day. Each one of those has a feeling attached. 
Uh, you may not realize there's a feeling attached. You may not even realize you're having a thought, but it's happening 50,000 times a day. Studies have been done that state somewhere between 80 and 95 even percent of those thoughts are recycled from the day before and the day before and the day before. So you're not really having a whole lot of brand new thoughts because you're rattling around the same old thoughts in your head day in and day out. Where this is important for you to note is that oftentimes the thoughts we're having generally are about things we've done and the repercussions that will come from them. And so it's we'll be thinking about the past and judging ourselves, and we'll be thinking about our future and getting stressed and full of anxiety about what might happen, rather than being in the moment. Because in the moment is when you can do things about something. That's when you're able to take charge, when you feel the charge. In my other show, From Sobriety to Recovery, which I highly recommend if you or somebody you know drinks a little too much and parties a little too much, there's great stuff over there mirrors this show um, a lot, especially since COVID. And I talk a lot about this idea that, you know, these thoughts, they come and go. And you're seeking this way of understanding that these these thoughts, they're fleeting. They're, they're going to come and go. And you can only do something about them in the now. And now is when you're in charge. And so when you feel this charge, you take charge meaning you're going to feel a, a, a physical vibration in your body. Something's going to shift. Maybe blood rushes to your skin, to the surface of your skin. Your pupils dilate. Your muscles tense or they, they loosen. You feel some kind of shift. And when that occurs in your body, that is your unconscious and conscious mind sending you, generally it's the unconscious mind, but the conscious mind should be the one that notices the shift. Um, it's the unconscious mind saying, hey, something's going on right now that's important. Let's pay attention. Let's pay attention to what's happening right now. Um, you can often um, mistakenly think that the charge you get is a sign to you know, do something or not do something. When in reality, it, it's not giving you the yes or no. This isn't like some magic eight ball that you get at you know, one of those Spencer's Gifts kind of stores at the mall. This is more of a, it just, it's bringing awareness to that something is happening right now you want to pay more attention toward. Get yourself out of trance mode. So much of our lives is built upon these clusters of habits, these habits that we have that we've been cultivating for years and years and years. So you think the way that you brush your teeth or tie your shoes or get dressed every morning, you know, you think nothing of them because they're so ingrained and those are these programmed habits you've been practicing for years. You also have programmed habits that you've been practicing for years on how you communicate with loved ones, how you approach new friends, how you might go talk to someone you're interested in, um, how you see in your mind a, a, an authority figure like a professor, a teacher, an administrator, right? There are the way that you might talk to somebody who works at a grocery store versus the way you might talk to somebody at a bank. These are also programmed behaviors that you have. And so much of life is programmed. I mean, we're talking well into the 90% and there's studies from Harvard and Yale and Princeton and psychology today. This isn't just some made up statistic like on Barney Stinson from how I met your mother. 83% of the time it works 71% of the time. You literally are living a life full of programmed habits and your unconscious mind is just directing you through them so that your conscious mind 
doesn't have to be burning fuel and energy to figure out how to do things like respond when you see somebody's book bag in the middle of the floor or you see somebody's dishes piled up in the sink. You have to snap yourself out of the unconscious reactions in order to step into a conscious response. And one of the most powerful ways to do this and one that is often overlooked or pushed to the side or um, minimized because it's something that we do every single second of our lives is breathe with intention. Breathe with intention, not trance-like. Now, I love me some Armin Van Buren and Paul Van Dyke. Been totally rocking out on their state of trance and their Vonic sessions on over there on EOL Spotify. And so that's not what I mean by trance. Trance is when your unconscious mind is just putting you through a series of programmed behaviors and actions in order for it to give you an intended result that is pretty consistent. It's like when you get in your car to drive to school and you take the same route all the time and there's traffic and there's lights or there's no traffic and no lights and it doesn't really matter because by the time you get there, you couldn't remember anything about that drive. You know you used your blinker or didn't use your blinker because that's a habit as well and you you changed lanes when you needed to and turned left or right when you needed to. Um, sidebar, one of the reasons why I use my blinker even when there's no one around is because I have trained my brain to any time I turn my vehicle to engage the blinker so that whenever there's a lot going on, you know, I'm on the 405 and there's six lanes of traffic and everyone's dipping and diving in and out and we're getting ready to come up on a three-lane highway interchange that I don't have to wonder if I use my blinker to let people know. Plus, my car does this little beepy thing when my blinker's on because it lets me know someone's in my blind spot. So I've been training myself to be consistent, even on country roads, to use my blinker when I'm turning because I want it to be an unconscious habit because I want it to become trance-like. That's how you can utilize that. If you want something that will provide you safety, like using your blinker, just use it all the time, even whenever you don't necessarily need it because there's no other cars around. It just programs your brain to, to know if I'm turning, use the blinker, right? And even still now, there'll be times where no cars are around. My brain's like, you don't really need it. And then I override it. Sidebar. Just wanted to let you know that. So breathe with intention, not trance. We breathe every single second of the day. And so we often don't quite embrace the power of the breath. I can tell you, I know the difference between my shallow breathing while I'm seeking to meditate or calm myself down or get myself focused versus the grounding my feet and putting my hands on my lap and breathing in deep. It is a noticeable difference. And this is something that you can actually turn into a physical anchor for when you want to calm yourself down, when you want to relax. It doesn't have to be meditation where you sit around, you know, in, in, with your legs crossed and you've got, you know, some really cool, you know, meditation music going on YouTube or whatnot. It doesn't have to be all that. It literally can just be a deep breath at the grocery store when somebody cuts, your, cuts you off at the shopping cart or somebody cuts in line in front of you at the deli. Or during a podcast when you just want to slow down and speak with more intention and attention towards the words. If you do any kind of public speaking, I can assure you, 
Breathing in deep and slowing down is one of the most powerful ways to draw the audience in to what you're saying. To snap yourself out of this trance mode that you will often find yourselves in, breathe in deep for one, two, three times, four. Do it as many times as you want. Breathe in four times, hold for a second or two, and then exhale. This is going to lead to the next idea of this slow it down and do it right-ish the first time. Now, if you're taking notes, breathe with intention, not in trance. The number two thing I wanted to bring up in today's show was slow down and do it right-ish the first time. There's a reason why I say right-ish, because I don't want to, if I say right, somebody might mistakenly think they heard perfection. I don't think perfection is a word that we should be using pretty much any time. Nothing is perfect. Nothing ever you will turn into your teachers, nothing you ever write, nothing you ever seek to do. It just, it it won't be perfect. You'll find something that you can change on it. And oftentimes we have this idea of perfect being an external validation we're going to get from somebody else, right? Because there's times where you know you've been working on something and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is good. In fact, I'd say it's damn near perfect, right? You might even say, oh, yeah, that's perfect. No way I don't get an A. And then the teacher's like, yeah, 97% or 84 And you're like, oh, what the hell? When you do something in order to get an external response, you have no idea the various degrees for which somebody might decide to grade or judge or value your work. And perfect just won't exist. So slow down and do it right-ish the first time. And this showed up. Um, Actually, within the last 48 hours, um, I am currently taking um, my online course, Wise Mind Empowerment, and I'm turning it into a membership site along with um, my book on college success habits is going to be in there. There's going to be a digital copy of it available. Um, There's also going to be, I'm turning my From Sobriety to Recovery um, podcast into uh, a mini book. It's actually going to be two-page summaries of every one of the episodes. Down the road, I'll do this with College Success Habits, just not yet. So I'm, I'm just sort of rolling things out as I can do them. And I'm making workbooks for the online class. And so there's 43 trainings in it, and it's going to grow. But right now, the 43 that I created that I've been utilizing with, my, with, all, of the, with all of y'all, all of you who've reached out and wanted to know how to be more involved in this material, have joined that. And so I'm taking it from a on uh so an online course and turning it into a membership site and i'm making workbooks much more in depth and in detail than uh, what i had before and i had got it into my head that i was going to somehow figure out a way to complete like 43 of these things in less than 11 days and what i noticed is that one, they were taking substantially longer than I had intended. But two, because I had placed this deadline upon myself, I was starting to rush through them. And I wasn't able to put in the care and intention into them. And while this membership site is going to be this living, breathing hub where things will be added and I'll update and I'll change and I'll shift things around, it's important that in the beta stage, which starts next March first uh, on Tuesday next week, that the workbooks that do get dripped in at the beginning they look professional, they look good, and I'm and I'm and I can be happy with them, even though I know that they're going to grow and and evolve and adapt. That they are good right out the, you know right out the gate. And so this morning I woke up and I told myself that's it. We're not going to push 
the creation of these things to the point of absurdity. Uh, I will put out one or two, pump, you know, pump out one or two a day and then be able to move on to other things because it's important that these look good the first time and that I don't just sit there and chop them all up in hopes that I, it can look semi-good. Do it right-ish the first time. Slow it down. Don't try to pump out 43 of these in 11 days and just let it be what it is. And a couple of things I learned from that. One, if you want to do something as awesome as create 43 workbooks in a short amount of time, you probably should have a lot more time than 11 days. Where you can use that information is realizing that pumping out a 10,000 word paper on you know oil refineries dumping sludge into local rivers or why you know open-minded communication is healthy for individuals to teach to children whatever your topic might be that trying to knock that out in three days is ridiculous and using some bs that i do my best work when i'm under pressure that's just not true i don't care if you got an a on it Right, you're still not learning what you really could have been learning from that process. Right, I could launch this thing next week, and 200 people could sign up within 24 hours, and it doesn't necessarily mean that everything I did was great or perfect or right. It just means that there were people interested in learning more about it, and they were willing to join. It's the same way with you and your grades. Right, if you want to take on a huge project be a little bit more mindful of how much time it could take, right? And then you don't have to rush through it. It gives you a chance to actually make sure that you're happy with it over the course of time. So slow down. Breathe. Take a moment to really embrace what it is you're there to learn. See, college in the mid-90s and then I graduated in the early 2000s, it's not going to say that it was easier, but it certainly was cheaper. (laughs) It was definitely cheaper. And there seemed to be less of this like rigid way. It seems like college has actually gotten more rigid. Right? You you can it's your freedom of speech is there as long as the speech that you're saying is right, according to whoever's judging right or wrong. Right? If you disagree with somebody now, regardless of whether you, you use kind words with it, it can it can be considered bullying rather than just you having a different perspective and wanting to have a mature conversation with another growing, evolving, and learning adult, now all of a sudden you've got outside forces saying that, well, this is this is bullying, or this is mean, or this isn't what we should be talking about here, rather than letting two people navigate emotional intelligence and discuss things on their own between one another. Because of this rigidity that I'm noticing and that I'm hearing from you all when you reach out to me, it's very important that you slow down and you do things rightish the first time for yourself. Take the most you can out of college, realizing that it is not the end-all be-all. That a lot of you will get out into the working world and you may not get a job that's directly associated with your major. But you go to school to prove to yourself and others that you can take on big tasks that take years to fu- to fulfill, to see to fruition, that you can utilize the resources that are around you and that you know how to um, be a team member, a teammate, how to work with others. Because in the course of your college career, you are going to have to work with others. You're going to have to be adaptive and utilize your resources. And you're going to need to make sure that you, um, 
are able to see things through from that start, you know, day one and end at the end of four years. I want you to give yourself grace. Give yourself grace when you start to feel that overwhelmed, anxious, stressed out feeling. Give yourself grace when you do wait too long to start the paper or you find yourself not breathing with intention and doing it more in a trance-like state. Please, please understand that thoughts and feelings, emotions and thoughts, they're not permanent. There's an impermanence to the way that you feel right now. There's an impermanence to the thoughts that you're having right now. They are not permanent. When you ruminate on a negative or undesirable thought or feeling, then it stays. And it, it's actually like this, this screw, and you're just sitting there just turning this Phillips head screwdriver deeper and deeper into your skull, deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper, right? Somebody says something that hurts you, feelings, right? Let's go back to the thicker skin episode. I believe that was episode 116 or even episode 117 on leadership, right? Self-awareness and emotional intelligence, 119. All of these would pay huge dividends in understanding that thoughts and feelings are impermanent. It's the ruminating. It's the screwing them in deeper and deeper into your brain that causes you to think that the, the negative, undesirable emotion or thought is is just like becoming all-encompassing. It's what creates that anxiety and stress. It's that future pacing about problems you may not have any control over in the here and now. In fact, that's what you should be focusing on. What is in, within your control right now? Stressed out about a test and it, 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 it's two weeks away? Fine, then go open up the damn book and read it. Go look at your notes and study them. Don't go to the bar and, and try to mute the stress and anxiety and the, and the undesirable thoughts and feelings, right? Because you're going to wake up tomorrow morning with a hangover and you're still not going to have studied for the test. So what was stressing you out will not have alleviated. It will not have abated. I'm noticing for a lot of people, it, it appears, again, from my perspective, hearing from others and witnessing it in my own life, that we become a culture that takes offense to everything. Everything seems to offend everybody, right? And the problem with that, and now the solution opportunity that we can step into is that you're never really sure what you're saying, who it will offend and who it won't. You could go off and and be really super duper into pronouns and then think you're being, you know, caring and compassionate and empathetic to those who care about pronouns. And then you say pronouns in front of somebody who thinks that they're not something we should be talking about or caring about. And now all of a sudden you've, you've offended them, right? You could say, I love ketchup. And then somebody all of a sudden is offended because you don't, what you don't also love mustard. I didn't say I didn't love mustard. I just made a statement that I love ketchup. They went ahead and assumed the rest of that sentence in order to find something offensive. It's happening all around us. I go use pronouns, don't use pronouns. Binary, non-binary, I, all of it. Man, I just say, everybody, be comfortable in your own skin. Live the life that you want to live. And understand that not everybody around you is going to want to embrace the way you live your life. I remember what it was like to be a raver and a hippie in the mid-90s when the, when the raving scene was just coming about and dressing up in raver clothes and bleach blonding my hair and putting glitter in my hair and wearing eyeliner and painting my nails and all this stuff that was rather 
it's general now. It's I've definitely come across many people, many dudes who do that. And it's not even to be ironic or to be a raver. It's just their normal thing. But in the mid-90s, in 1997, 98, it was definitely not normal for a guy to dress the way that I did, to behave the way that I did, right? I, I did what I did because it made me feel good. I liked going to the raves and dancing with my friends, and, and I didn't really care what people thought. Bleach blonde hair, you say whatever the hell you want. Now we live in a world where tattoos all over your body and painted nails and long hair and, and piercings in the face. It's just more, it's more there, right? And and that's good, right? Be you, be happy in your own skin. And also understand that not everyone is going to look upon you the way that you would like them to, right? It's, it's, it's almost laughable sometimes when people have tattoos on their face or they wear um, scantily clad clothing and then they take offense to people looking at them or staring at them. I'm like, you wore things or you did things to your body that literally are going to draw attention to you. And then you get upset about the intention. But unconsciously, you really want the attention. It's like if they weren't paying attention to you, you would not be happy about that. But you will act unhappy about it, but secretly inside you're happy about it. There's a Father John Misty song uh, about it's like some it's, it sings about California and it talks about how in Hollywood um, p- people in a restaurant act like the actress isn't there, but she really wishes that they would pay attention and and go up to her. And in Hollywood, that is absolutely how it is. People act like they don't see celebrities when, in reality, most of them unconsciously want to be noticed. They want to say no to your autograph just because it makes them feel good. When you do things in your life that are going to draw attention to you, understand that people may not even be looking at you like, why are they wearing that? Or why did they do that to their body? Or why are they acting like that? They might just be out and about like you are and just people watching and just being and just marveling at how awesome it is that people get to live the lives that they want to live so openly and freely now as compared to what it was like, you know, in the early 1900s or in the 1950s. I mean, guys, we're not that far away from McCarthyism, right? We're not that far away from, you know, people getting thrown in internment camps because of World War II. We're not that far away from the Civil Rights Acts of the 1970s. Like, we literally are 93 years like 1929 is when we had the great depression that was in seven years we're gonna hit the 100th anniversary of the great depression like literally the country was as poor as it poor could be and if it had been for world war ii starting up in 1938 for us but having started for the rest of the world much earlier who knows what our country would have turned to right when the world war ii ended in 1945 i mean guys we're looking at less than 80 years ago and look at the amazing changes this country's gone through. But we go through them best when we stick together. We go through them best when we understand that we're a melting pot. We go through them best when we slow down and instead of seeking to be right or wrong, we seek to understand why somebody feels compelled to behave or dress or act or wear or, or, or tattoo themselves or pierce them, whatever it is. You do you. As long as what you're doing isn't causing direct harm and hurting somebody else, then you do you. And understand that when you have these negative thoughts or emotions around something that you're doing or something that you see, it's impermanent. Ruminating on it makes it more permanent in your mind, but it's not really permanent. 
It's impermanent. It's, it will pass. It is fleeting. If you release it and let it flow down the river over the waterfall, much like a, a stick floating down a river would just go over the edge of a waterfall, let that be the negative thought. Let that be the negative emotion. Understanding that everybody is going to is going to feel compelled to support you in how you decide you want to live your life. I know you would like them to, but that's that's it's. I'm not one for definitives. I'm not one for absolutes here. But to expect that everybody will always enjoy everything you do is impossible. You don't enjoy everything everybody else does. So why do you think other people would either? Impermanence is your emotions and thoughts until you ruminate and ruminate and ruminate on them to the point of absurdity, and that's what makes them feel more permanent. Slow down. Take a deep breath. Do it as rightish as possible the first time, and give yourself grace when you don't slow down and take a deep breath and do it to the best of your abilities the first time. And lastly, and we're going to get you out of here on this, reflect on the growth that you have, that you have undergone since you started college, since you started the new relationship, since you started this new class, since COVID, since high school, since you decided to take up juggling tennis balls in your room, whatever it might be, reflect on where you have been and what you have done. Because it's in this reflection that we're able to truly embrace and really admire and feel proud for the work that we've done on ourselves. Not pride in in that seven deadly sins kind of way, but to be proud for the amount of effort and hard work you have put into things, that you have that the amount of attention and intention you have you have set down and focused upon the things that matter the most to you. It's in this reflection that we're truly able to take inventory of where our life is leading us, breathing in deep with intention, not in a trance-like state. Slowing down and doing it rightish the first time while also giving yourself the grace that you that you deserve as a human experiencing humanity and knowing that you won't get it right the first time every time, if ever. Emotions and thoughts are impermanent. They were designed that way. 50,000 thoughts. If you tried to hold on to every single one of them, then you you might as well build one of those beaver dams and just watch that just keep piling up and piling up till it floods your village. Why is it some thoughts and emotions can just flow right down the river over the waterfall's edge and other ones you seem to ruminate on? That's where you should be doing some investigation. And it's within that investigation, it's within that reflection that you can truly be able to step back, take inventory for what you've done, admire this journey that you're on, pat yourself on the back once in a while, and remind yourself that you're doing the best you can with the resources you have, that you are not unresourceful. You have found yourself in unresourceful states, emotional states, physical states, mental states, spiritual states. You have found yourself in unresourceful states. But you are not an unresourceful person. You have the resources you need. Sometimes you do good, but it doesn't mean that you're always good. Sometimes you do bad things, but it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's about your intention. And if your intention is to, is to spread you know, joy or compassion or happiness or love, then you're using that really power of positive energy. 
if you're going out there trying to knock people down a peg or two so you can feel better for yourself, you're not being inclusive. You're being exclusive. You're being mean. And that kind of energy is not going to want people to invite you into their circle. It's not going to have people embracing your way of thought or your way of being. And then when you get pissed off at them because they won't embrace who you want to be, even though you're showing them no grace in who they want to be, why would you expect the situation to be any different? It's just, it's laughable to me how many people in our society want to be treated a certain way, but then don't also offer that same kind of, of compassion and kindness to someone else. You treat me this way, even though I'm not even going to try to treat you that way. You listen to what I have to say. I don't care what you have to say. And we wonder why there's so much vitriol. It is up to us each and every day to begin to create bridges rather than burning them down. It is up to us to create connection rather than build walls. It's then and only then will we truly be able to understand and embrace what I mean when I say inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. I'll see you again next week, my friends. Bye-bye.